can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne with the Talking Pools. See, Talking Pools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadcast people. Okay, uh, today we are going to talk about, boy, my face is big in this thing. Today we're going to talk about total alkalinity, uh, the total alkalinity umbrella. Uh, now, a lot of people, unfortunately, do not test for total alkalinity. It should be like in your blood if you're a um, service professional. But what total alkalinity is, is essentially a buffer. And what a buffer does is that it helps prevent other things from happening or it can protect things. And you'll see, it'll become more clear in a couple minutes, but total alkalinity is a critical part of your normal testing regimen. So a lot of people don't understand total alkalinity, which is fine. And hopefully this will help clear it up a little bit. But the best thing to do is think of total alkalinity as an umbrella. Okay, here's my, my meaty hand here, uh, freckled and all that stuff. Uh, this is an umbrella, okay? Now, if your umbrella is too small and pH is underneath that umbrella, here's pH, here's, here's umbrella, okay? And your umbrella is too small, pH is going to get wet. And when it rains, okay, and that's not a good thing, okay, and so it's getting wet, it's trying to move all around, trying to prevent from getting wet. Have you ever heard of the term pH bounce? That's exactly what's happening here. The pH is just going all over the place, it's crazy because the alkalinity, the alkalinity umbrella now is too small, okay, so it's trying to find a happy spot but can't because there's not enough alkalinity in there. Now, on the other spectrum, so you have this great big golf umbrella, beach umbrella, and you've got tiny itty-bitty pH, tiny, well, my hand's not tiny, but you know what I mean, tiny, tiny perspective, right? tiny itty-bitty pH underneath that umbrella. You have too much of an umbrella, too much alkalinity. You are over-buffered, okay? If you've ever heard of the term pH lock, this is exactly what it is because pH is frozen in place. It's scared to move, okay? You have too much alkalinity, okay? So pH lock is happening here. If you have the right size umbrella protecting good old pH, you have a happy situation, okay? So what is that happy situation? Well, ideally, total alkalinity in, in, in an ideal range should be anywhere between 80 and 120 parts per million. Acceptable ranges are 60 up to 180. Now, of course, it's going to depend upon what your in incoming water is, what your existing water is, if it's a new customer, things like that. But generally speaking, those are the ranges you want to shoot for. So don't panic if you get an alkalinity reading of, say, 60 or 
130. Okay, I've gotten those calls and emails over the years from people. Oh my God, what do I need to do? I need to add add something to, to increase it or decrease it. No, you don't. Okay, you're perfectly fine. Now, if your alkalinity was under 60 or greater than 180, yeah, you're going to want to do something about that. But 80 to 120 is ideal, where you want to be. 60 to 180 is okay. Okay, anything beyond those ranges, then you've got a problem. Okay, so let's start talking about how to test for total alkalinity because it's called an acid-based titration. Okay, so you get your sample of water, whatever your test kit instructions say to say to have, and then you're going to add some kind of a neutralizing product, usually uh, thiosulfate, sodium thiosulfate, and you're going to add that to your sample. You want to get rid of any kind of chlorine, any kind of bromine in the sample. I'll explain that in a little while. Okay. Then after that, you're going to add your indicator. Your sample's going to go green. Uh, now, uh, what I'm describing here is the most common way to test for alkalinity, which is a drop test, okay, titration. So after you've added your indicator, your sample goes green. It's a pretty grass green, actually. And then you're going to take your third reagent. If you look at the label on your third reagent, you're going to see sulfuric acid. Don't panic. It's very, very weak. Okay. So this is where the acid-based titration method comes into play. You're going to add that, that uh, sulfuric acid reagent drop by drop, mixing it between drops. And that's really important. Just don't bang out five or ten drops and start swirling. No, it doesn't work like that. That's not how it happens. Okay, slow and steady wins the race. So drop, swirl, drop, swirl, swirl etc. Until it gets to a nice uh, bright red color. I've always called it candy apple red, but I grew up in the 60s and, well, what do you expect? So um, you count the number of drops it took to go from that green grass color to the candy apple red color and multiply that times an equivalence factor. Uh, usually each drop is equal to some kind of part per million. Normally it's 10 parts per million. Sometimes it can be 20, 25, 50. It really depends on what test kit you're using. And there's your answer. So say your, your drop equivalence is 10, 10 parts per million per drop, and it took you 10 drops. Well, 10 times 10 is 100. You've got 100 parts per million. Yay, yippee, fireworks go off, okay? Now, a lot of people say, how do I know it's the right red? Because everybody, again, interprets color completely different from everybody else. I have problems with, with reds and pinks. I'm sure most of you listening, those guys who are listening, uh, have that same problem. How do you do? How, how do you know you're at the right endpoint? Well, I've talked about this before. Uh, it's something we call in the industry um, the the one drop rule. Okay, the one extra drop rule actually. So how that works is that say you get to that red endpoint color, but you're not quite sure if that's the right red. Add one more drop of that sulfuric acid reagent. If it doesn't change color, that means the previous drop was your endpoint, and that's how many drops it took. And that's what you use to multiply by your equivalence factor to get your answer. If it continues to go red or a different shade of red, keep on going till it doesn't change anymore. <coughs> that's the one drop rule. You're going to keep on adding drops until it no longer changes a shade of red, okay? So that's, and that's critical. And that's pretty much true for any kind of drop test, say for, 
calcium hardness or whatever other ones you're doing, okay? You're not sure the right endpoint, add a drop, swirl, drop, swirl until it stops changing color in your test file, okay? Now, for those who are using test strips, it's pretty simple. Again, you, you, you dip your strip into your sample water and you wait the appropriate amount of seconds the instructions tell you to wait and then match your color. Now, the issue with, with test strips is that usually the, the range between standards that are printed on the test strip vial container are pretty wide. And remember, you know, purposes of a test strip to make sure you are where you need to be. So it's, it's not a perfect thing. So if that color is in that range of 80 to 120, uh, 60 to 180 is acceptable. You're good to go. Okay. Those of you who are using electronic pieces, it might be a little bit different. But essentially, the methodology is the same. It's an acid-based titration. Now, what can screw up <laughs> um, an alkalinity test despite your best attempts not to? Okay, well, remember what we added this couple of drops of uh, thiosulfate in the very beginning of the test? Okay, well, that's critical because you want to get rid of the alkalinity that's in that sample. Uh, and not the alkalinity, but of the chlorine or bromine, the halogen, the sanitizer in that sample. Because what can happen if you have too much chlorine or bromine or halogen in the water um, and you go to do the test, instead of going green to red, it might go blue to yellow or start off green and go to yellow or start off blue and go to, it, it, it just is, it's not green to red, I guess is what my point is here. Um, that means you have too much sanitizer in the sample. Uh, and what's too much? Probably greater than 10 to 15 parts per million. Yeah, you got to retest that sanitizer reading. Sorry, gang. Okay. But how do you correct it is probably the most important thing. Well, the correction is actually pretty easy and pretty simple. You, you dump your treated sample, rinse it out, get, get collect your, your, your sample size, whatever the test instructions say. Normally, it's 25 milliliters. And remember how in the very beginning of the instructions, you added two drops of that thiosulfate product? Okay, you're going to double that to four drops. In, in, in this case, to correct the interference, adding more of the thiosulfate is not going to be an issue like it might be in correcting a pH reading. Okay, but in alkalinity, four drops. I've added as many as eight drops before on an excessively large amount of chlorine in a sample. And I really do mean excessive. Um, so the extra drops of thiosulfate will eliminate any excess chlorine or bromine or halogen that's in that sample water. So that when you do the rest of the test, you're good to go. You go to that green, to that red endpoint color. And that's what you want. That's exactly what you want. Okay. Now, if you're doing, if you're using test strips, you don't have the ability to um, correct that interference. Okay. So what you're going to need to do is collect a sample, add a drop, add two drops actually of thiosulfate to that sample water and dip the strip in the sample water and use that. That, that should help correct it. Okay, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, it really depends on the manufacturer of the strip itself. Okay, now if you're using something electronic, 
um, like the, the spin disc, for example, or a colorimeter or a photometer. Um, with a colorimeter or a photometer, you can do the same thing as far as adding a little bit of extra thiosulfate to eliminate the halogen. With the spin, spin lab system, you don't have that luxury. Um, you're just going to simply have to collect a sample, let it sit for a little while, and then use that as your test. Because they're, or, or, you know, take your sample, add the thiosulfate, mix it around, let it sit for a moment, and then go ahead and use it. You just can't take a sample and drop it in to the disk uh, to get an answer. You're going to get a wrong answer. Okay. So, in any case, regardless of the system you're using, you're going to need to add some additional thiosulfate to neutralize out any of the halogen, excessive halogen presence that's in the sample. And that's how you get rid of alkalinity. Now, how do you adjust alkalinity? Well, you know, you go to your handy-dandy little testing tables, and you look it up, basically, okay? Now, to increase alkalinity, increase alkalinity, yes, I know it's reversed on the video, you're going to use sodium bicarbonate at 100%, otherwise known as baking soda. Okay, otherwise known as arm and hammer stuff you might see in the supermarket. Okay, and then based on the number of gallons of water in the pool or spa, and based on the change that you want to have and you know how high you want to go up, that determines how much um, bicarb or baking soda you add in order to do that. So, for example, if you had a 10,000-gallon pool, and you needed to raise your alkalinity 10 parts per million, you'd be adding about uh, 1.4 pounds, just shy of a pound and a half of baking soda. Pre-mix it, pour it in in front of a return line so it spreads out. Way to turn over before your test again and, and check it that way. Now, and that's pretty easy. To decrease alkalinity, you're going to use the same product you use to decrease pH. Okay? Acid whether it's dry acid or liquid acid, doesn't really matter. Dry acid is sodium bisulfate, okay? That's what it's known as. And in that same example, if you needed to lower your, your alkalinity by 10 parts per million uh, and you had a 10,000-gallon pool, you'd be adding a little over 2 pounds, 2.15 pounds of the dry acid. If you were using liquid for that same reduction, you'd be using a hair over a pint and a half, so a pint and a cup, okay? Um, but generally speaking, whenever you add or change a value in alkalinity, you may have an effect on the pH because, remember, pH is lowered by acid, alkalinity is lowered by acid, so both are going to come falling down, okay? If you're raising pH, bicarb, has a, has a slight increasing effect on alkalinity, and um, you've got to be careful of that. So what I usually tell people and recommend that if you're testing, or rather if you're treating alkalinity or pH, always retest the other parameter to make sure you haven't screwed up. So if you're testing for, al if, if you've treated for alkalinity and you've waited a, a few hours, a turnover is the best. Um, and you and you retested alkalinity, also retest the pH, and vice versa, okay? Now, there's a couple situations in which you don't need to um, um, 
deal with a reagents uh, or, or treatment product or anything, carbon dioxide, okay, lowers alkalinity but raises pH. So if you're in a CO2 system, you got to be really, really careful about that. And it's only really good in certain situations, okay? If you have uh, a high alkalinity and uh, a low pH, then adding CO2 uh, will kind of balance those out. Wrong word to use because we're not talking about water balance, but uh, it, it balances itself out. Oh, and the other thing about testing alkalinity uh, and, and weird colors. If your pool or spa is on uh, PHMB, polyhexamethylene biguanide, uh, some brand names are Bacquasil, um, uh, Bacqua Spa, things of that nature, the non-chlorine products. Um, what you're going to get are, are weird colors. You're not going to get the normal green to red, but you're going to get blue to yellow. But, ding, 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 the blue to yellow color change. If your pool or spa is on these PHMB products that goes from blue to yellow for alkalinity, guess what? It's right. It's absolutely right. Okay, there's no need to add a reagent to correct something or not. That blue to yellow change is perfectly okay. Only, only, only if you're using a PHMB product, polyhexamethylene biguanide, the non-chlorine products, quote, non-chlorine products. In those cases, <coughs> your, 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 again, your blue to yellow is perfectly fine. But if you're using anything else, chlorine, bromine, whatever, um, primarily those two, ozone too, um, yeah, you, you might get that weird uh, color change and then you need to go ahead and correct it, okay? But only if the level, only if the developed colors show that. Again, PHMB products, you're on them, good, way to go. Blue to yellow is what you want. Okay, so with alkalinity, it's it's kind of a tough nut. Um, most homeowner kits have a, well. Let me rephrase that. Most advanced homeowner kits have an alkalinity test, but quite honestly, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of the homeowners either don't do it or don't understand it, so they don't do it. Uh, that's where you guys step in. Alkalinity testing is a critical new, um, um, not new, but a critical test to do uh, when you're visiting your customers' pools or spas, excuse me, coffee is essential this morning. So um, when when you come to, to your customer's location, obviously you're going to do all the, the standard maintenance that you're contracted to do, you know, leafing, cleaning out, skimmers and, you know, test, um, testing the equipment, right? Make sure the equipment is running fine, you know, replace or repair any, any issues. And then you're going to do your testing. Please make sure that alkalinity is part of that testing. Um, that way you can ensure that your customers are going to be happy. And that's what we want. Happy customers. Okay. We want them to pay you every month to do your job and to do it properly. Okay. So, We've talked about, uh, let's see, uh, pH testing. We've talked about sanitizer testing. Um, the next few, we're going to hit the rest of the water balance uh, parameters individually, all that testing area. And then we're going to talk about water balance as a whole. Okay. 
you do, you've done all these tests, you know, so what? Well, we're going to talk about the so what down the road. So stay tuned for that broadcast down the road. Uh, again, my name is Wayne Ivasich. And if you have any questions, uh, technical nature, or anything else that you think that you'd like me to bring up uh, during these broadcasts, please feel free to uh, write to talkingpools at gmail.com, and they will be forwarded to me, and I will be more than happy to answer them. So I hope everybody has a great 2023. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking with you, and take care, everyone. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 